Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So we're in this series called Extraordinary, and we're looking at David's life. And uh, so for about three weeks, we're parking uh, on a sub-series, sort of like a mini-series within a series called Extraordinary Worship. And this is when David is bringing the the ark of God, the presence of God, back into Jerusalem. You already know from last week um, that the ark of God... You know, again, they've made movies about this. Many people think this is uh, something that's uh, a myth or metaphorical. It's not. The ark was a real artifact. We don't know where it's at in the world today. Um, but it, it, you know, wherever it is, it's somewhere. I don't, believe, I don't believe in that. That's Christianity nonsense. Well, guess what? There's some pyramids over in Egypt. And uh, for... Uh, really centuries, probably a millennia or more, people just thought those were big old rocks out there in the desert that somebody made. And guess what? There's all kind of artifacts down in there that nobody, I mean, they're still over there today. Why, why is it? Just tell me why we will believe stuff like that, but we will not believe that it's possible when it comes to anything of faith. Nothing, you know, we'll believe that there's a curse on Tutankhamun's uh, sarcophagus. You know, we'll believe that. We make movies about it. But we won't believe it when it comes to the protagonist. Are you following me? The, the antithesis, the antagonist. Oh, we're all, we on board for that. But the protagonist, that's make-believe, man. That's fairy tale stuff. People believe in the supernatural. Yeah, they do. They believe in the supernatural, charmed. You know, I don't know what supernatural shows are out there. There was a show at one time uh, called Supernatural. Like, we'll believe in vampires and we'll believe in all these things in, in the dark side of things. Don't have a problem with that. But we have a problem when it comes to the wholesome, the identity of God that says, I am good and you're good. I am a creator and you are creative. Like, you know, I'm the father, you're my son, you know, uh, and daughter. And so, you know, he brings the temple, the ark of God, this real thing, back into, um, back into the city of Jerusalem. It's the holy place. It's still the holy place today. You can go to Jerusalem and there are multiple religions that they are fighting over. You know that. The Muslims are fighting over, over uh, the, 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 the temple mount the Dome of the Rock. There, there, there's this place over there in the city of Jerusalem that all of these major religions are fighting over that because it's a holy place. It's a, it's a holy spot. And everybody wants to, to get to that spot. Shay and I went and we stood at that spot. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to see all of the world religions coming together. It, 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 it's really, we, we were in this one particular uh, place. I can't, honestly, I, I don't get all hung up on all the Judaic and, you know, holy sites and, and stuff like that. But we were at this one place. You might be able to help me out where we were. And I don't know if it w was where um, Jesus was supposed to have been, um, his body laid after the crucifixion or, or whatever. But remember all those services came into that one cathedral. Do you remember what it was? What was it called? All right. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know the, the, the real name of the building. But we're in there and um, there were, I don't know, I think four services from four different religions that all had some stream of, of Christ in it. Does that make sense? There are four, four different streams, but kind of flowing out of the same river. And uh, they all worshiped there. And they worshiped there every day. 
And so we're, we're in this building and, you know, we're, we're in there touring it. Man, we didn't go there to worship. We went there to tour it. And so uh, we're touring and all of a sudden it's like, you know, they ring the little bell and everybody has to kind of stand back and you see uh, these, this, this procession of Coptic priests coming through. And it's like they're having a service, you know. What, I, and I, I told Shay, I'm like, this is so weird. Can you imagine, like, we're, we're at Destiny Church, and people are coming in. I don't know why they would want to come in and look at the building, you know, but, like, imagine this place was like a museum, like many of their churches over there seem to be. And they, they you know, you just got your people, and they're just coming, coming through. And all of a sudden, our church people come into the building, and all of the strangers have to, have to go to the side. I was really amazed while I was over there. You know, you're standing in these long lines and you're in these big cathedrals and stuff. And so you just, you know, you got, you're standing in lines, you know. I want to go see where they supposedly laid Jesus. You know, I want to see. And it's just this little hole down in there uh, that, that you go in. And I mean, it's not a spiritual experience. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Can I ruin it for you? <laughs> it's not a spiritual experience, or at least it wasn't for me. Um, you know, I'm wanting to go see, and you, you literally, you have to go down in this little, little hole, and it's like, so you're, you're, you're getting down like this, man, and like, you go in there, and then it opens up, and there's like eight other people in there, and like, you're just like this in, in this holding place, and uh, the guy at the, at the door is like, time, it's time, it's time for you, you got to go, you go, and I'm like, man, I'm trying to have a moment with Jesus right here, <laughs> but they're like, no time for Jesus, you know, you got to move, you know. Because uh, they're trying to get people in and get, get them out. Get them in, get them out. But can you imagine us coming into uh, our church and we're like, y'all got to get up against the wall because we're fixing to have church. Now, it's only for a few minutes. I mean, I don't know. It didn't seem like it lasted more than 10 minutes. Wouldn't y'all love a church service that lasted 10 minutes? Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then we come up in here and we're like, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all from you all. You know, we're just, and then all of a sudden, we just finish and we leave. Four, I think, different groups in that one building. It's really a, a really cool place. Um, the thing about worship, though, is this. You can only worship what you value. So a lot of times worship, like what we just did, um, that is a very intimate act. So only people that are intimate with him can engage in that. And, and, and if you'll just hear me for a minute, that's why so many of the 21st century churches have it wrong. is because they make this gathering about people who don't know Jesus. Well... That's fine for people who might not be in relationship. There are people here today, I'm sure, that you are either not in relationship or you've lost the closeness of your relationship with him. You, you just can't engage in worship if you don't know him or you've lost your closeness to him. You've got to get back to that place of closeness or you either have to enter into a relationship with him. You cannot worship what you don't value. When you value something, it is not hard to get excited about it. When you value something, it is not hard to get excited. It's not hard to spend time. It's not hard to prepare for it. It is super easy. But when you, are, when you don't value something, you, you, you aren't excited. You don't want to prepare. You cannot engage. You can't seem to get anything out of it. So, you know, man, if, if, you, if you want to get something out of worship, see, people who, who are non-believers, not Christians, who have not made a profession of faith and engaged in a relationship. They, what we just did a few minutes ago would be a spectator sport. Worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is a, an engagement. It's an encounter. By the way, man, Friday night was a great encounter. Uh, we had such a powerful time of, of, of praise and prayer, uh, uh, praise warfare we had. 
So as we're talking, why am I spending a little bit of time? Because worship, worship, people who are not connected with the Father will not understand worship. It looks dumb to them. It looks like a show or a presentation or whatever. And I'm not bashing, please hear my heart here. I'm not bashing other churches and how they do it. It's a generalization. It's a generalization. When you make this gathering for people who don't know Jesus and you make worship a part of that, you, that's why you have to make that more of a show. That's why you have to make it more of a presentation to keep the spectator interested. That, and, and, but this gathering is not for that. This gathering is for the community of saints to come together and to worship the one true God, the one true God. There, we say it around here like this. There's no other gods there's little G gods, but there's no other great God, Jehovah. There is only one true God. And that is the one that we worship. We worship him. There is no Zeus. You know, there's, there's no Zeus. I don't know. The, 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 there's, there's, no, uh, there's no little gods. There's no Venus, Mercury. You know, I used to all get into all of the Greek mythology and the Roman uh, mythology. I just loved that stuff when I was a kid. And so, any, anywho, let me get back to Worship is for worshipers. Worship is for worshipers. And David was a worshiper like none other. And so as we dive into this, I want you, I want you to look at this. If you're getting more out of worship than you're giving, then you're doing it wrong. And I just want you to listen to me. If you are getting more out of worship then you're giving, then you're investing into worship, you're doing it wrong. Have you, uh, have you seen on Facebook, I, I don't know if it's on Instagram or not, uh, but have you seen on Facebook where the, the little lady says, uh, show me the life hack. <laughs> have y'all seen those? Show me the life hack that, you've, that it's taken you this long to learn. Maybe I've got the wrong accent, but you get what I'm talking about. And what they do is they ask you, uh, sh- show me things that you've been doing your whole life wrong and how to do it right. And man, I don't know about you, but I, I learned stuff from that. I learned that I've been cooking broccoli wrong my whole life. You're not supposed to chop it up and then throw it in the water. You're supposed to put it, first of all, you're supposed to put it in cold ice water. That way it keeps its green and it doesn't turn that old raunchy looking yellow color when you uh, boil all the color out. But you also just keep it on the stalk and you turn it upside down and put it in a pot and you take it out with the stalk and you chop it off and it's perfect. Been doing it wrong my whole life. All right, if you've been doing something wrong your whole life, wouldn't you want somebody to show you the life hack? I'm gonna give you a life hack to worship. This is good stuff. So if you've been getting more out of worship than you've been giving, you're doing it wrong. And we've been taught we either intentionally or unintentionally our whole lives that worship is for us. I gotta go get my praise on. You know, y'all, anybody ever heard that? I'm going to church today because I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to get my praise on, you know. And when I was younger, I could not wait to get to the house of God because worship fed me. I loved good worship. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with that up to a certain point. But you and I, as we come into the faith worship as it feeds us, we cannot stay at that place because if we stay at that place, it will become a place of immaturity. What, what, what would be a place of maturing for you, like you're maturing in the faith and worship is maturing you, if you stay at that place, it will become a place of immaturity. And, 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 and we begin to think that worship is for me. Friend, worship is not for us. Worship is for him. That's why we come together. And so, you know, when I begin to learn this, I begin to learn that, oh, I don't like that song that they're playing today. I don't, mm, I don't like that. I don't like that. And 
I begin to understand that, oh, wait, I can worship to any song. Because if the, if the words are biblical, if it, if it honors God, I don't have to like the song for it to honor him. Are you following me? Man, I'm telling you, and I began to grow out of this idea that worship was for me. You know, there were certain ways that I didn't want to worship because I didn't want to worship that way. And then I began to understand, wait, like when I, when I say I'm not going to worship the way this, the, this tells me to, I, me, I begin to make it about me and my likes, and my dislikes, and what I am going to do, and what I'm not going to do. And I'm just telling you, if it's in there, I'll try it. I'll try it. And there is stuff in there that I'm uncomfortable with, but I'll still do it from time to time. There's stuff in there that is out of my comfort zone, but I'll still do it from time to time. In just a few minutes, we're going to read where David danced. I'm the worst dancer in the world. I mean, I'm talking about I can't spiritually dance and look good, but even, even like in the secular or whatever you want to call it, like, you know, when if Shay and I just want to take to the floor and, you know, we just want to dance or whatever, no, I, I mean, I'm stepping all over her feet, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm just not good at it. But... We don't have to be uh, dancing with the stars. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to be like some expert at it. It's just an expression of faith. It's just an expression of worship. And so uh, look, look at this. We're going to dive into 2 Samuel. We're going to read these eight verses. I'm going to read them first, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to go through every verse and pick out some things that we can learn, and I can give you some life hacks about worship. All right? 2 Samuel 6, verse 12. If you got an app or just go to BibleGateway.com if you don't have anything and pull up 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 through 19. I've got my red pen. I'm a, I got my good old faithful, you know, live version, whatever you want to call this thing. This is the OG right here. All right. As I go through it, I'm just going to, this, this is a fairly new Bible, so I'm just getting into marking this one up. Verse 12, all right, you there? Yeah. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has in it because of the ark of God. Now, if you weren't here for the backstory on this from last week, you're going to have to go dig that out yourself, okay? I don't have time. But the ark, David did it wrong the first time. He parked it at Obed-Edom's house. And God's blessing it. Because wherever God's presence is, it doesn't matter if he's in a mega church, a little church, under a tent somewhere, out on the backside of Mozambique, wherever God's presence is, things are going to get blessed. All right? And so David went there and he brought the ark of God back from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. I'm going to circle great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark, um, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, I'm going to circle six steps because that's just kind of curious. Why six steps? Why not five? Why not three? Why not 82 David sacrificed, sacrifice, I'm going to underline that. What did he sacrifice? He sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Mm. And David danced. I'm going to circle dance because that's interesting. He danced where? Before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Some of your versions may say an eff, a priestly ephod. So David and all the people, so who was it? David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of the ram's horn. Did y'all hear a blowing of the ram's horn this morning? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, that's just weird. Why do y'all do that at your church? It's going to freak people out. It probably will. But again, this is the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. Um, this is where holy God stuff happens. If I go to a football arena, you know, there's weird stuff that happens there. I, you know, they pour Gatorade over coaches' heads. Like, why do they do that? 
Do they hate that guy? You know, no, it's a celebration. Somebody started that somewhere. Um, they run out, you know, run out uh, and <laughs> pop through. <laughs> That's why I'm not on the football team. I look like a ballerina running out, you know, like, here we go. <laughs> but they, they run out and they crash through the paper. That's interesting. That's weird. It's exciting, you know. Little guy goes out there and he's, he's like, you know, does all kind of stuff and he throws the thing down on the ground. Like, I don't understand all that stuff. But the people that are at the games do. They know what those things are. And so if I'm at a game, which I don't go to football games because, well, I just proved to you. Um, <laughs> but if I were, I would, I would say, why is he throwing the, that handkerchief down? Well, that's called, I think, a flag, right? It's called a flag. They just flagged for some kind of error or something. But you understand? In God's house, we do God's stuff. And, it, and we don't, the, the rules of football don't change because somebody like me shows up. Because you know if I had to support the football world, if they were depending on me, there would be no such thing as football. And I know that would upset you guys, like especially Tia, because she's so looking forward to, uh, to, to uh, college football. It's right on, we're on the cusp of it, you know? But we don't change things in the house of God because those who don't understand come in. What we do is we, we educate, we explain. And if, if, if that's for you, then you'll come be a part of it. And we will, I'm gonna use a word for you, we will indoctrinate you. Oh my God, I knew it! I knew it. I knew they were indoctrinating people. Absolutely. Like, actually, we don't make a, we don't make that like a secret. Like the world does. When I say the world, I mean outside. You know, the, the, the culture does. They'll be doing it all the time. And it's like, no, we ain't. We ain't got no agenda. We don't have an agenda. We don't have an agenda. What we do have an agenda. In this house, we worship God. In this house, we are unashamed of God. And in this house, if you are here, you will get in or you will get gone. That's just how it is. You will, either, you will either be like, man, this is for me. I want to be a part of this community. Or you'll go, heck no, man, bunch of weirdos never going back there, you know? And, and that's fine with us either way. It's because it's, if it's okay with God... And, and I don't know that it's necessarily okay, and I don't mean to sound cavalier or, or callous, that we don't care if people don't come to Jesus. No, but I cannot focus. All I am responsible for, see, see, ooh, see the world has, has put the burden on me to save your soul. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that I am mandated to go save souls because number one, I can't. That is not within my power. My mandate is just to go into the all, all the world, reflect Jesus, be the light of the world, Matthew chapter five, be the light of the world, uh, reflect him and his goodness, and then make disciples of the ones who say, I want to be a part of that. That's, that's our mandate. And so I don't, I don't have to be worried about where your soul is going. Do you understand? Man, I'm running out of time. Do you understand that I used to worry about family members, where they are going to spend eternity? Because so much pressure was put on me to get their soul saved. It's not my responsibility. I couldn't save my family. I couldn't save my wife. I couldn't save my kids. I couldn't save Brian Smith if I, if I tried. Not in the spiritual meaning of the word. So what is my responsibility? Just reflect Jesus and anybody who wants to partner with you in that. Train them up. Train them up the best that you can. Amen? Yeah. All right. So I need to really start preaching here. And um, where was I at? All right, so, oh, so anyway, man, blowing the ram's horn. Verse 16, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, uh, looked down from her window. So Michael is David's wife. She's looking down from her window 
And when she saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. All right. And I think, oh yeah, I need uh, two more verses. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent. All right, special tent is important to me. That David had prepared for it. He prepared for it is important to me. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. He sacrificed more offerings. When, When he had finished his sacrifices... David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And then he gave, this is interesting, he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins. And then, so uh, interesting, he gave to every man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins. And then all the people went to their homes. Hmm. All right, so let's look at these. Everybody kind of, with me on the same page, you following me? He went to get the ark the first time, totally blew it. He did not know how to do it. His, he, he knew the presence of God was important, but he didn't know the correct approach. And the first attempt, he massively failed. Parks it over at Oba to eat him and, and goes like, dude, that thing's nuclear, it's dangerous. It's gonna kill, it's already killed two, it could possibly kill some more. We, we don't know, we gotta park it over there. And then what he does is, we're not told in these verses, you go and you read these in First Chronicles, he goes and he investigates how to bring it back and learns how to bring it back. So where we are now is his second attempt. He goes and he brings that back to Jerusalem and this is how it happened, okay? So let's read through these real quick. First, uh, Second Samuel, remember, these are your life hacks for worship. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. So David went there and he brought the ark of, the God, uh, ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. Verse 15, jumping down a couple, says, so David and all the people of Israel brought it up. So it wasn't just David. It was a great celebration and it was all of Israel. Now, I don't know if uh, all of the people, I don't know if that was the whole nation of Israel, but this was a huge deal. And so what we see here is that worship is a, ce- is a corporate celebration. Worship is private, but it's also public. Yeah. Uh, th- now, I- I'm going to draw a little uh, analogy. It's kind of a... Uh, mm, well, we'll see, won't we? I don't know if it's a good analogy or not, but it's the one that came to my head earlier today. Um, I've always looked at people, and I'm like, um, and, and this is judging. I'm just flat out, you know, it's, it's me judging them by their reflection. Are you following me? It's not me being judgmental. You're not my judge. Uh, n- no, being judgmental and judging are different. Judging is just observing and coming to a conclusion about what you see. It could be accurate. It could be inaccurate. But I've always said, somebody, how they treat their wife or husband in public, mm, there's more to that in private. Because how you treat them in public is more reserved. How, you know, what it's amplified in private. A couple that's, you know, a little too amorous in public, like, uh, you know, sometimes it's young people and I'm like, Mm-mm, y'all, uh, y'all as amorous as me and my wife are in private, y'all need to tone it down soon. If, you, if you're a bit too amorous in public, like wonder what's going on in private. You know what I'm saying? So here, stay with me. So worship is this corporate celebration. How we how we act towards worship in public is an indicator of what our private worship life looks like. Dude, if there's almost nothing publicly happening, I can guarantee you, oh man, I get alone with God and we just, you know, we're, we're, mm, we're, we're together. We're like, no, 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 no. I'm just telling you, I've been in this for 35 years. Th- 35 years in a field makes me what? An expert. If I were called by court, I am an expert witness in my field. My expert witness and my expert opinion is whatever we see fruit publicly, 
you usually or lack thereof see more of that in private. Lots of fruit at public a lot of times means there's that, that's coming out of a very deep worship life. Very little public, it means that probably Sundays is what you call worship. That's hard, but it's the truth. Worship is meant to be a corporate celebration of what happens during the week. What happens during your private time. Look at 2 Samuel 6.13. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Now you know, most of us in here know what the ark looks like. You saw a picture of it uh, sort of at the very end on the graphic. What the priests would do, they would march with the ark and I don't want to get into this too deep because a lot of times, you know, they're like six steps. A lot of times they say six paces. Um, and then different people measure steps and paces by a different measurement. It would be like us saying uh, a mile and somebody else saying a kilometer. They're different that, you know, a mile doesn't equal a kilometer. So, that don't don't get caught up in that. It it could have been six of these one two three four five six. It could be six of those sacrifice, or it could have been six you know longer. But the point is that after they had gone six steps, David stopped the priest, and they sacrificed these two things: a fatted calf and a bull. Look at these. Worship is a sacrifice. When we come into the house of God, we are coming to, to bring a sacrifice to God. Like when we come into this house, we should be bringing tangible and intangible sacrifices, material and immaterial sacrifices. We should be bringing something to the house of God. Every week, Shay and I bring a tithe to the house of the Lord. All right, we bring a, a, a literal offering to God. We give 10%. We would do this if we weren't the pastors of this church. We were, uh, we were not pastors for many, 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 many years and uh, before I went into ministry. And we tithe on a regular basis because that is our sacrifice. We did it when our, when our grocery bill was $25 a week. We did it when I made, you know, less than $150 a week while I was working to go to school and college. We did it because it was a sacrifice, a sacrifice of love. And so worship is this sacrifice of tangible things, but also intangible things. Like, God, today I'm coming to give you service. I'm coming to give you, I'm a servant today. God, I'm coming to give you praise. I'm coming to give you worship. I'm gonna give you my voice. I don't know why. Uh, well, actually, uh, I do know why. Um, why does God love for us to hear us? Because if, until you've been a parent, you don't know the beauty of praise. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I used to stand and love to listen to my kids interact with one another. And I would hear them praise. And there's a beautiful place in scripture that says he inhabits the praises of Israel. In other words, his people. He inhabits the praise of his people. It draws him close. And, and I, I want to give you this. One time, Savannah and Noah, I think he must have been about, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, uh, six or seven. And, and then that would have made her, uh, I don't know, 10, 11, they're five years apart, uh, right? Four years apart. All right. I don't know my kids at all. Um, <laughs> typical dad, but I hear laughter and that's, oh, it's so beautiful. I hear laughter. And what do I do? Man, I go I, and it draws me close. It draws me close. As I get close, I, I can't make out what they're saying. And you, I've told this story to you before, and now I'm eavesdropping. I'm just outside the, the uh, room where they're playing, and I hear them, and they're like, uh, Noah says something like, Savannah, you're so good at whatever it was. Like, I want to be like that. Can you teach me what, he's, what, what he just did? He just praised. So what is that? That's the praise of his people. Unity, when we encourage one another, when we are building one another up, we think God inhabits the praise 
He does that too. But I'm telling you, when God's people love each other, it draws the Father. He loves to hear us brag on each other. He loves to hear us praising because praising can be vertical and it can be horizontal. When I'm praising you and you're encouraging me, that's horizontal. God loves that. If you don't believe that, he says, these are the two most important commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, the second one is equal to the first one. Just love your neighbor. Like, just love your neighbor. If you forget anything else, just love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, that's enough for me. Because when you're loving your, your neighbor, that's the same as you loving me. And that draws us to his presence. Worship is this sacrifice. When I come in, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to bring something. Look at this. There are, the number six represents the number of man. So, you know, the word, the, the number seven is God's number, and if you get numerology and yada, 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 but the number seven is God's number. It's the number of perfection. Numbers mean things. The number six, the scripture tells us, point blank, it's the number of man. And it's also the number of days before the Sabbath. So I want you to think about this. Worship is a sacrifice. What they did is they took every six steps. And that six says that we've got to sacrifice. We have to sacrifice our will for his will. We've got to sacrifice the will of man. When I walk into this service, it's not about what I want. It's about what uh, the number seven wants. It's about what God wants. And the, the number six representing the days of the week before the Sabbath. Like, hey, on Monday, I'm worshiping him in myself. I'm worshiping him on Tuesday. I'm worshiping him on Wednesday. And don't get caught up if the Sabbath's on Sunday or Saturday, because it's on Saturday. But anyway, the the point being, uh, we come after six days, man, we are out in the field reflecting his glory. And there is a time where you give and you give and you give and you get, and we come back into this to get filled up. Pastor Rife, I thought you said this wasn't for us. Oh, wait to the end of this because you'll hear why, why I'm not contradicting myself. But the number six represents our will. It represents what we have to sacrifice that. And we have to sacrifice, Pastor Rife, I don't like that song. They sing that song too many times. Pastor Rife, we didn't have communion this month. Pastor Rife, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, you just need to sit down. You need to shut up. You need to just pay attention to what Holy Spirit is doing in here. Because you call, you so caught up in the number six, bro, that you cannot understand the bigger picture of what God is doing. All right? So they sacrificed these next two things. They sacrificed a bull, which represents strength. And they sacrificed the fatted calf, which represents the very best. Why is it that we give God the, the leftovers? We'll, we'll give everything under the sun the best. We'll give it all the best. But when it comes to God's house, we want to give what's left over. David is showing us a life hack. Show me your life hack. <laughs> he's showing us a life hack, man. And he's saying, when we come into this place, sacrifice myself, sacrifice doing this in my own strength and sacrifice the very best. Bring the very best to God. All right, let's look at this. Second Samuel chapter six, verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Worship focuses on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Worship focuses on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where did David dance? He danced before the Lord. He, David, he danced before the Lord. He didn't dance before the people. He didn't dance before the people. I mean, the people were there, but they were not his, his focus. His focus was on the Lord. Man, when we come into this place, I'm telling you what, we need, Destiny Church always needs to be about the presence of God and us following hard after it. You don't need a big old sign of your preacher out on the side with a, you know, with a mechanical hand saying, come on in, come on in, come on in, you know. You don't need that. As a matter of fact, the house of God does not need to be attached to the pastor. Uh, it doesn't need to be t- uh, attached to the man or the woman of God. 
That sounds like I'm throwing shade on some other places and maybe that might be so, but I'm not doing it intentionally. I'm doing it for us to focus on this house, not what other people are doing. In this house, we should be known not as, Pastor Rife and Shea are just leaders. We're just, we're just in, a, in, a, in a, a place of leadership among you as the servants of God. We, you and I are servants together. We just have different roles. But I don't own this church. I don't own you. You ain't my sheep. You know, uh, I don't own you. You are here in a pasture for me to steward the best I can while I have you. And, you know, that's why, you know, you can't, you really can't get upset if somebody leaves here and goes to another church because I don't own you. I don't own you. What, what, what God does with his sheep is his business. I am just a poimane, a shepherd, a pastor. And I'm just, I just have to answer to him. That's all I have to do. I have to answer to him what kind of job I do here. Worship focuses on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look at this. Hallel, there's, uh, I, I don't know if y'all, some of y'all who were my youth leaders back in the day, uh, and, and maybe a few of y'all who were students in my youth ministry, you might remember this, car, I got this from a Carmen song, Seven Ways to Praise. Y'all remember that way back in the day. And I'm sure there are other Hebrew words, but these are seven ways to praise, all right? So David danced. Listen to me, listen to me. You cannot just approach a king any way you want to. The approach is important. Like when, when people go before royalty, they have a, a crash course in protocol. You can't just march up to the queen and say, hey, uh, uh, hey, Liz, how you doing? Good to see you, man. Thank you for inviting me. This place is pretty cool right here. You know, this is a cool crib you got. Big too, you know. And you got more than one dog. There is a protocol. You don't, you don't just approach royalty any way. There's a, there's a way. David danced before the Lord. So if, you're, uh, if you are dancing before the Lord, if you are worshiping before the Lord, there is a way that you worship. Number one, hallel. Ha, hallelujah. Hallel, that's the, the root word of praise. Hallel means there's a physical engagement. That means that, you know, uh, well, Pastor Rife, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just very reserved. Dude, you couldn't get more reserved than me and Shay when we were kids. I would throw up, literally, if I had to walk into a room of strangers. You could not get more reserved than us. But I understand now that I didn't understand then that I am not led by my body. I am not led by my soul. I am spirit led. And so the spirit drives me to engage in a way that my body says I don't want to. My body, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it because I just don't feel like it right now. And it would be fake if, if, if I, if I did it. Well, how was you? Prime yourself, get there, get there. Obedience, this, this is scripture. Obedience is better than the sacrifice you bring. So obedience, I'm being obedient to the word. God, I don't even want to do this. Stick your hands in the air like you just don't care. Hey, oh, you know, so, so, so you, you, why, why? Because one of these words in just a second is, is that is a way that the Lord loves why does he love that? I'm telling you, if you'll just look in nature, you will begin to see glimpses of God's way of doing things until you've had a little snotty nose rugrat. You do not know what this means. Uh, dad, uh, and you're like, oh, dear. oh, baby. Do you see? That is a picture of our father and us going, Daddy, Abba, I love you. And him going, oh, yeah, look at you, look at you. Hallel, there's a physical engagement. I do not come. I don't get the privilege, the right, the whatever you want to call it, to just be a spectator. But that's what I do. Well, I'm giving you a life hack for worship. You've been doing it wrong the whole time. Hallel, Toda. 
This is a sacrifice. This is an offering. David said, and I was thinking about this. David said in another time in his life, he said, and I can't remember. So don't, 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 don't judge me on this. I can't remember. I think this was before he became king. When he said, I won't offer, because you, you teach a lot of this. Was that before he became king? Uh, where he said, I will not offer a sacrifice to the Lord that did not cost me something. See, he tried, he, he was going to offer something and he said, I don't have anything to offer. And that guy said, hey, I'll just give you this stuff. And he's like, Mm-mm, I'll pay you for it because I will not offer so, to the Lord something that it did not cost me. In other words, he knew the value of sacrifice and he knew the value of bringing an offering to the Lord. That's why I'm telling you, man, if you don't give, if you are not a kingdom investor, if you're not a partnership with what God is doing in the local house where you are fed, then you are missing out on a, a, a part of worship. It's one of the most beautiful things is to give. So yada, yada is the lifting of the hands. I don't understand. Well, I, I, I said I didn't, but I just told you why the Lord might love that. It's because it's just an act of surrender and reaching, you know, in a metaphorical sense towards our father. Yada, it's lifting of the hands, Baruch which is uh, bowing. I didn't intend to do that. I didn't do that for, you know, to come back and use it and say, hey, oh, by the way, uh, did y'all see I went down on my knees during worship, you know, and, and that wasn't planned. It wasn't intentional in, in the sense of for me to use that, but that's, that I'm so used to doing that in my times of worship that this, this is me baruching, you know, this is me bowing before the Lord because when you enter into royalty, even to this very day, it is customary to bow before whoever that royal person would be. Shabak, shout. Just shouting, man. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it's fun to shout. Woo! You know? Uh, Zama. This is singing. This is music. It's, you know, us singing a new song to the Lord. Well, I don't sing very well. Uh, it's not about your voice. It's not about you, you ain't going to be on the voice. Yeah, you'll probably never win American Idol, but you ain't trying to. You're just trying to make a joyful noise uh, to the Lord. And tequila. It's a, uh, not tequila. It's tequila. Okay. Some of y'all got excited. It's like, I'm doing that one. That one. That one is mine. <laughs> tequila is a combination of all of them. It's like, man, it's just a, a beautiful expression. And, and, and so every week when I come into this place, that's my goal is to just to heal him, to heal a praise, you know? And so you'll, you'll see different expressions. Those are not all of them, but those are many expressions that we can come and we can worship. And it's not about now, let me see which one of those. It's not a buffet, like you pick and choose what you want because it's not about what you want. We already sacrificed that, remember? It's about what does God want? You're speaking his love language, not your love language. Second Samuel uh, 6.14, David danced before the Lord with all his might. He danced before the Lord with all his might. Worship focuses on me giving my everything, not my something. I'm, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to give something today. No, my friend, that is a scarcity mindset. Well, I just made it. Y'all just need to be glad I'm here. No, you need to turn your tail around and go back home. Just go home. If you can't come, at, you know, you, let, are you doing somebody a favor by being here? Uh, no, no. Like, we, that's the mindset that I'm trying to give you another life hack. That's the mindset that we've gotten in that is a, a mindset. It's an idolatrous mindset to think that we are doing God a favor by showing up. Holy Moses. No, we, we come and we bring our everything. Well, what does that mean? The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love, love him with everything that we have, not my something. Listen, Pastor Rife, some days my something is all I have. Mm, is it? Is it? Or are you just being lazy? Or are you just living under a false mindset? You don't know what I've been going through. You don't know what I've been going through. You don't know what I've been going through. There are people in my life that know what I've been going through. 
you know, for years. I promise you, man, there have been days, and the only reason you know it is because I'm so transparent. There have been days I've stood right behind that little wall there, and I've had some of these guys, and I said, I'm asking the Lord for enough strength to make it through the next two hours. If God can just give me the strength to make it through the next two hours. I'm going off the camera for a second. Y'all didn't see me come out like, good God. All right, man, I'm here. Y'all just need to be glad. I ain't got nothing fresh. I'm preaching something I watched on TDJs last night. <laughs> and y'all don't get excited because I ain't going to preach it like him. You know, when I came out here, I had been in God's presence. I had heard him and I came and I gave it my all, my all. I tried to come out and do what David said. After a period of mourning, wash your face, comb your hair. When you fast, you don't fast and try to let everybody know you're fasting. Wash your face. Put some gel in your hair. Come, come presentable to the Lord. And so I come out here and I deliver my everything for him. It's not necessarily even for you. It is for him. It is for him. And so we don't just give God our everything, our, our something. We give him our everything. David danced before the Lord with all his might, and he was wearing a priestly garment. Now, man, that could take us down a, a road where we've heard preaching and not good preaching and talking about, you know, well, he was half naked and blah, blah, blah. No, that's ministers that have not studied enough and they, they, they don't truly know priestly garments and how those things were work and, and, and stuff. And, and, you know, and it says later uh, in, in the story, David was upset with him because he exposed himself. I'll, I'll get into that maybe next week, but, but he was wearing a priestly garment a priestly garment. Let's not focus on necessarily, you know, what, what all it looked like because it was worn with other pieces of clothing and all of that. The point is it, it was priestly. It was priestly. And so David, who would have gone out in public in royal array, in royal uh, regalia, so to speak, he, when it came time to worship, he disrobed himself. In other words, he took his royal robe off. I'm putting that aside. And what do I have on? I have an ephod on, a priestly garment. That means I am part of the royal priesthood. The scripture says that you and I are royal priests. Like you and I are royal priests. We all now have the ability to perform. And what, what he's basically saying is, pre, what, what did they wear those priestly garments? Because you understand, in the temple, only the Sanhedrin thought their poop didn't stink. Only the Sanhedrin, the, 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 uh, the priests in the New Testament, they, were, they had gotten to this place where they believed that they were superior when they were not, they were servants. Priests are servants. You understand that when a good king, that's, that's, that's why we don't understand when, when God says he is a, the king of kings and we are his subjects. You understand, subjects are not subversive. They're not, sub, sub, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Subordinate. And I don't even know if that's a, the right word, but subjects are, are not these lesser than people. Subject means you're the subject. You are the subject. You're the object of my affection. A king, a royal king, does what's best for the subjects. A corrupt king does what's best for him. And so the model that we've seen is these corrupt kings. But a good king, like our king, does what is best for us. And so priests, kings, serve. They serve. A good president serves the nation. A good president serves the subjects. You and I are subjects. And what he's doing there is he's saying, listen, 
I want everybody to see that I, the leader, am a servant. We all are servants in this thing called worship. We all are here to serve God. We are all here to offer up praise to him. All right? And so... He's saying worship, it focuses on us being servants, not subjects. Servants, not subjects. Uh, in, In worship, we're not the subject. He's the subject. Like he's the royal subject that we are worshiping him. And we're servants carrying out the royal acts of worship like the priests did. That's what David was showing us in 2 Samuel 6.14. In 2 Samuel 6.17, and I'm trying to bring this to, to a close here. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent. This ain't any old shack. This not any old place that they're putting things. That's why for me, uh, put some duct tape on it. It's not good enough for us. You know, we're, we want to give God our best and our best is not the churches down the streets best. They may have a $5 million budget. We can't even compete anywhere close to that. So our best is going to look different from their best. We just got to do our best. And he makes this special tent And David, it says, placed it inside the special tent that David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. So now they're back. We made it all the way to Jerusalem from Obed-Edom's house. They bring it into the special tent, but they didn't get to the site. Oh my God, this is good. They didn't get to the site with this after going through all that and says, all right, man, we got to figure out a place to put this thing. We got to figure out a place to put this thing. We got to figure, you know, can, we, can I get somebody to get me some Asherah poles or, I, well, uh, no, 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 I think, uh, no, sorry, I got, I, got, I got pagan. Can I get somebody to get me maybe some cedar poles, some things uh, to, to, to build uh, a, a new tin? And can we, can, we, can we pull some guys, man? Brian, can you call a few guys and see if they come up? Brandon, could you call a few of your buddies? No, what happened is before they ever went, David prepared a place. That is a powerful thing, man. When it comes to worship, we don't get here and hope it happens. But is that not how the majority of us as believers live our life? That we go out and remember the six days, the six steps, Monday, I'm just doing my thing. Tuesday, I'm doing my thing. Wednesday, I'm doing my thing. Thursday, doing my thing. Friday, doing my thing. Saturday, doing my thing. Sunday, I come to the house of the Lord to make sacrifice. But you've not made any sacrifice all week. You've not made any preparations all week. You've not thought, uh, you know, through the process of what's going to lead me to this experience. We don't come into this building with a sense of expectancy. When people say, man, I just wish that I could see some of the things of God happen. I'm telling you what. Many times we don't see them because one, two, three, four, five, six, ain't nothing happening during that time. And then we get here and expect God to do everything when we've done nothing. And so what happens is we have to make sure that we are preparing. Worship is the result of what we prepared for. Worship, what happens in here? I'm telling you what, when I come on Sunday, well, you're the preacher. That's what we pay you for. That's your job. Mm-mm. None of, some of that is true and none of that is true. When it comes to worship, I'm telling you, when, if nobody else in this building shows up, it might be harder to do it because with one you're, 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 you're digging up the ground. It's hard, you know, you're digging it up. But when two, oh my God, when you got somebody singing the same praise as you, you got somebody on the same wavelength as you, that's good. And then when three and 12 and 20 and 80 and 500 and 3,000, I mean, dude, it just ramps it up in the supernatural. Worship is the result of what we prepare for. I can tell you when I come in here on Sunday, I am not going to come in here because I bought a sermon online and I'm going to preach it to you. I'm not coming in here because I've been doing this and that or or whatever. And I also ain't going to lie to you. My wife can tell you this is the truth. There have been weeks in my life 
Some of them recently in this series. There have been weeks in my life where things are falling apart. I got to go handle family stuff. I've got to go and do this. I got, you know, uh, five church folks that need uh, something. There's, there's, there's business to attend to at the church. You know, we're working on a, 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 a skeleton staff and all kinds of things going on. And my wife can tell you there have been times that I have not had time to prepare. Like it takes a lot of time to prepare. And, uh, and I don't neglect her. And, and, and she'll tell you. Like, if she wants to watch a movie on Saturday, <laughs> I've not had time to do what I need to do. And uh, sure, babe. And I watch our chick flick, and I'm not making that sound derogatory because I personally like chick flicks. Uh, but... She can tell you there are nights where it's like all that's fine and all those responsibilities are good, but Sunday morning comes every seven days. Man, I need to get somebody to fill in for me today because it's been a heck of a week. Mm -mm, No, we don't do stuff like that. She can tell you, and I'm not bragging on myself, I'm just telling you, she can tell you, I have stayed up the entire night. No sleep. She goes to bed nine-ish or whatever. From nine until six o'clock the next morning when I have to get a shower to come here. I have been up the entire night before God digging out. Sounds like you don't prepare very well. No, I'm just telling you, I couldn't do that all the time. But I I value and honor this time so much that I will not step up into this place with a sacrifice that did not cost me something. I won't do it. I won't do it. And I'm going to come prepared. I'm going to come prepared. And it's like, it wasn't your fault something was falling apart in my family. It wasn't your fault that somebody else needed. It wasn't God's fault. What what happens is sometimes we just have to pay the price. And so I'm going to come prepared. And my preparation might look a lot different some weeks than it is the other weeks. But when I come to this house, I promise you, I am going to be prepared. And uh, I thank you for you guys worshiping and digging in and going forward and pressing through. But if you didn't, thank God you do. But if you didn't, I would have me a one-man praise show and press uh, uh, preach fest right here by myself. Right here by myself. Because David, there's another place in scripture. David said, man, I encourage myself in the Lord. I'm telling y'all, there are Sundays where I don't don't know if you're getting anything, but I'm getting a whole lot. And I'm the one preaching it. I'm getting a whole lot. I'm growing a whole lot. You know? So here we go. Look at this one. I think this is our last one. 2 Samuel 6, 19 says, And then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And then, they, and then all the people returned to their homes. This is what I want you to understand. Worship will feed you, and it'll feed your home. When you come and you worship, they had been out there, man, worshiping their hearts out. Listen, you, listen, you do not have to worry about, I, I got to get mine. I got to get, you know, I got to get mine. What, you know, am I going to, but I got needs. I got needs. I have needs, Lord. I need somebody to pray for me. I got to, I got to get filled, man. I got to get filled. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. You come and you give, give and you'll receive. Draw close and I'll draw close to you. Sow and you'll reap. Listen, it's a spiritual principle that when you come and you give in worship, This is your life hack. You do not even have to worry because there is a father who loves you more than you love yourself. There is a father who loves you more than your mom, your dad, your spouse, your kids, your pastor, any any of your best friends, your homies, your buddies. There is a God who loves you so much. He is not going to let you leave empty-handed. All your needs are going to be met. When he comes in his presence, there is healing. When he comes, there's restoration. When he comes, there's adoption. When he comes, there's deliverance. When he comes, there's provision in his presence. So you don't have to worry because the king is going to feed you. And not only that, 
they return to their homes. Here's the part where many times it breaks down. We come and we eat here. We eat our cakes here. We eat our cake of raisins here. We eat our cake of dates here. Are you following me? That, that's not for you to eat here. It's not for you to eat here. You take that home. You take what you have here, you take that home. And you feed your family with that. You feed your family. Pastor Rife, I've really been doing this wrong. Well, I gave you a life hack. Start doing it right. But I missed so many years, Rife. I missed so many years. So did we. Fix it. Just start doing it. Just start doing it now. Just start doing it now. Well, how do I do that? How do I do that? I'll tell you real quick. Let's say it together. This says it in the positive. The first, as I, as I put the main point out today, it was in the negative. You're doing it wrong if you're getting more out of worship than, than you're giving into worship, than you're putting in. The positive statement of that is this. The more you give in worship, the more I'm going to get out of worship. Let's say it again. The more I give in worship, the more I'm going to get out of worship. That's your life hack. That come and begin to give so much more than you've been giving. And watch what you get out of it. This is how you can apply it. All right? Ask yourself, Am I worshiping God the way that he wants to be worshiped or the way I want to worship him? Ask yourself that. Am I worshiping God the way he wants to be worshiped or the way I want to worship him? And then ask yourself, can I grow? Can I expand? Can I mature in any area of my worship? The answer is yes. Uh, Just go ahead and check yes. Like you don't have to think about it. I'm telling you, that is a 100% yes. You can grow. Well, how do I do that? There's those seven ways that I gave you. You can raise your hands. Really? Is that simple? Yeah, just start doing that. Clap your hands. Well, I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about clapping like, oh, that was a good song, man. Let's give them a round of applause. No, clapping your hands to the Lord, singing music, sacrifice, bringing an offering to him, bowing, kneeling, shouting. Those are just a few ways that we can praise him. But like begin making worship a genre in your playlist instead of rascal flats. And I don't know who's out there that, cause I really don't listen to a lot of music, but whoever your favorite artists are, Add a music genre in there. Put that in there. And, and, and if you don't do that, you should do that. That's a way. Why? The Spirit of the Lord will be getting down in, inside of your soul, will begin to aliven you in worship. It'll begin to draw you.